One of the more mature ways that I have come into my own leadership is to understand that that shared responsibility creates a sense of empowerment and actually gives us a sense of agency in the face of helplessness, again, preventing the sense of hopelessness. It alleviates the loneliness of the person at the top of the pyramid but it also empowers everybody throughout the pyramid. All of a sudden, our purpose becomes not this sort of the pot of gold at the end of the IPO rainbow, but this notion of creating companies that change the underlying economic conditions for everybody in that little town. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. It's the 4th of July here in America. For most, it's a time of celebration, right in the heart of summer. But it's also a time to reflect and appreciate not only this country and the principles and ideals on which it was created, but for the people who stepped up and gave so much to make it what it is today. Like those who helped create this country, the United States, it's still a flawed place where people are needlessly hurt, punished, marginalized, diminished. And we're in the midst of a challenging time But at the core, this is still a place that's striving to live out the very principles on which it was founded. I can't help but feel grateful on a day like today to the leaders who helped make this country great. Now, we all know leaders who see themselves as the leader, the ones who demand to be in power. But there's a different kind of leader, one who doesn't really want the job, one who'd be happy to be unseen or left alone, but ultimately take the job because they have to, because it's what's best for those they care about and what they care about. These leaders can't help but step up, and in doing so, they encourage, support, inspire others to step up too. They aren't driven by power, vanity, and wealth. They are driven by fundamental human principles of what is right and what is needed. George Washington was such a leader. George Washington was the first president of the United States, and when given the news of his election, he said, while I realize the arduous nature of the task which is conferred on me, and feel my inability to perform it. I wish there may not be a reason for regretting this choice. All I can promise is only that which can be accomplished by honest zeal. In his first inaugural address, he said, no event, meaning his election as president, could have filled me with greater anxieties. On the one hand, I was summoned by my country, whose voice I could never hear but with veneration and love. Washington felt the weight of the responsibility. He struggled with doubts of his own ability, but even more powerfully, he felt the importance of doing what was needed, of doing what was right. Extraordinary times can bring forth extraordinary, selfless, brilliant leaders. The war in Ukraine is horrible, but in the midst of war, in the midst of death and needless destruction, there's glimmers of hope and beauty, and there are emergent leaders. Andrew is a Ukrainian entrepreneur who, like all Ukrainians, had his life and world flipped upside down on February 20th, 2022, when Russia attacked. But like George Washington, he too saw what was needed, needed of him, needed for his country, needed by those he cared about. And he stepped forth to do his part and to lead. He joins Jerry on the podcast to share his story, talk about the amazing work he's doing. 
and remind us again that extraordinary times can indeed create extraordinary leaders who themselves help create the next generation of leaders. Enjoy. Are you looking to accelerate growth for the leaders and managers in your organization? Create a container of safety, inquiry, and accountability from which important insights, innovations, and solutions can emerge with Reboot Circles for Management Teams. Led by a Reboot Coach, these peer circles are designed to support leaders' growth and development through action-based learning using real-life challenges. Group sessions involve a mix of coaching exercises, guided journaling, facilitated group exploration, and time to process pressing issues and concerns. The facilitator holds the space, prompts the dialogue, and models the behavior of effective coaching. Circles for Management teams enable rapid learning, teach fundamental coaching skills, and help build internal resiliency among teams so that your company can scale more efficiently. Learn more about how Reroot Circles for Management teams can support the professional development of leaders and managers in your organization at reboot.io slash circles for teams. Hey, Andrew, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Why don't you take a minute and just introduce yourself? Hello, Jerry. Uh, thanks for having me uh, on Reboot Podcast. Uh, happy to join. My name is Andrew. I am co-founder at StoryPoint and PartnerWay in before four time, and I am co-founder of Cola Fund in the war time. So thank you for coming on. And, you know, we were just joking back and forth a little bit that um, the internet connection here may not be so great. Maybe we should take a moment and explain you are physically located where right now? So physically, I'm located in Vinica. It's a small city nearby Kiev, about 200 kilometers from it. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I, you know, um, we were really moved when one of your colleagues reached out to us and said, hey, would you be interested in talking to somebody? And the answer is, of course, yes. And, you know, as I mentioned at the, you know, before we started recording, Prior to the last few months, I don't think anybody or most of the people in the United States had any sense of the map of Ukraine and and who was actually where and where all the uh, pieces were there. And you joked that, you know, <laughs> you would be uh, compared to Kazakhstan or, or, or the Central Asian republics in some way, as opposed to really being a part of Europe and the European continent. And so, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, most Americans are now a lot more aware of uh, Ukraine, and it's still part of our daily lives. Nowhere near as much as it is for you all, but but every day we are watching what's happening. Yeah, and, and we are very grateful for that. Like, I think that the U.S. gives the most support out of all countries. Uh, it's we are trying to survive all of this and fight the aggression, but it wouldn't be possible without the, our U.S. partners and European countries uh, that supports. Uh, just like yesterday, uh, U.S. announced a new uh, a, a new a new weapons that uh, they, they are providing, like uh, especially long range. That's that's very crucial for us to stand out territories. Mm. 
Well, you know, uh, it's it's an extraordinary experience that you all are going through, and uh, as painful as the aggression has been, uh, there is a kind of um, kind of a woken up awareness that is happening, and hopefully, the more knowledge that we get, the more connection that we get from the geopolitical in which you know Finland and Sweden applying for membership in NATO and how important that is uh, to the notion of our interconnectedness. And, you know, my parents' generation, certainly your parents' generation or your grandparents' generation, would not have been able to have a live conversation in the middle of a war, right, that we're recording and connecting across, you know, time and space. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I'm 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 thinking positively about the things that are happening. Like uh, I think that the war is is probably the worst things that can happen. A lot of people died, like really, like thousands of Ukrainians and other people. Um, but I, I think that the good thing is that uh, we see the real face of Russia because the Russia has been has been doing this for 20 uh, plus years and in 2014 there was no attention to the basically the same things that are happening now but it was eight years ago but nobody was caring so much about this but right now that's that's on a large scale and and I think that we will eventually go through this and became stronger and 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 and, and do you'll see maybe analyze what things have led to this issue and how we can prevent such things in the future. Yeah. Uh, well, well, from your lips to God's ears, let's hope that, uh, uh, that what comes out of this is a deeper sense of connection and connectivity. And, you know, um, again, before the start of the recording, I checked in with you and you said you had listened to the reboot podcast before and, you know, as I sit here and I think about what we're doing right now, which is using Riverside to connect um, across time and space and, and make this connection. One of the things that strikes me is uh, the degree to which the micro ecosystem of entrepreneurs are so connected. When the war started and the invasion began, even my son, who works for a startup based down in San Diego, his, you know, they're 20, 30 people, four or five of whom were in Ukraine. Yes, they were sort of an outsourced team, but they were designers and engineers. And he was literally uh, on calls with them every single day. And then, you know, one day they disappeared. And two days later they popped back up because they had moved to Lviv and they just rolled up their sleeves and went back to work. And I find that heartbreakingly extraordinary. And, you know, as I sit here and I look at you, you're just another technology entrepreneur, aren't you? Yeah. The, the world is so interconnected right now. I'm just like, I can't believe how how connected we are. 
Like I, I'm, I'm just like a boy from a small town, like that calls Bilatsarkwa. It's around like 800 kilometers from Bilatsarkwa. Uh, but, uh, but, but I can't imagine that you, uh, I'm having a calls with the uh, founders across the world, and it, it happens like at the same time when when, when you. Uh, one time you don't have any connection in Kiev when the Russia is trying to bomb the city and then, uh, and, and la- then you just like move into another city and then in a few days you have a connection and the same goes with, I'm not talking about the me, me but I'm talking about the people around and uh, we have um, our team members, for example, they also did such a great job uh, they just were out for a few days and then mm-hmm. they were connecting with clients on the 26th, 27th of February. So just a few days after the war started. Tell me, tell me something. And, and, you know, I always go to the sort of heart centered stuff, the, the psychological stuff. On the one hand, I'm imagining that part of the importance of keeping the company going, keeping projects going is economic. Right. Um, But what compels someone on your team to move to a different city and log back in and start working again? Tell me about that. Tell me about that experience. I mean, here you are. You're not working in Kiev right now. You're at home. But but tell me about that experience for you. Yeah. Actually, I'm going back to Kiev uh, probably next week. So I'm excited to return to my hometown. Uh, it's not 100% safe there, but uh, I I'm, I'm just want to return to home, to to the place I love. I, I love the city. I love the people. I think that it's one of the best cities to live. Uh, um, so when the war started, uh, for the first few days, uh, we stopped the work because we wanted to make sure that everyone is safe in the team and uh, the safety is our top priority number one for everyone. Um, so we took, took a few days to be sure that everyone is located uh, or in West Ukraine or uh, abroad. So there is a law that Ukrainian men can't allow to leave the country because we need to defend it. But the women are, can go abroad. So usually they, they went to Poland, to Romania, uh, Moldova, and other countries like France. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we, we understood that it's hard for me and it's hard for, for our team members to focus on on work when the mm-hmm. when, when the people are dying and, uh, and and the team were quite disappointed, so um, we decided what can we do individually and as a company to uh, to support people and to support uh, the Ukraine. Uh, so me and my co-founder, we agreed that we will not make any profit in the company until the war will end. So our main goal right now uh, is to support the Ukrainian defenders. So we decided that we will transition to a non-profit organization mm-hmm. um, till the end of the war. So we 
we are paying the salaries, we are paying for software that we are using and other expenses, but all the profit we are transitioning to charity. And what does that do for you? What does that do for the team? Why would you have them focus back on work? So, yeah, a lot of our team members, I think almost everyone was volunteering, helping in one or another way. But I think that uh, the most impact you can do by doing what what you're really expert in. So usually if it's a developer, engineer, he, his main expertise is, is, is creating like applications. Uh, if it's like our recruiter, the, the best expertise that he or she has is finding the great people. So uh, instead of uh, them helping like uh, online, like volunteering with media or so, uh, we decided that you, you can do more work on the on the job and we will donate all the profits that, that, that your work is contributing to uh, to defend the country. So I, I think that's that's psychologically helped us and employees and and and, and the company. I, I want to lift up and extract out what you've just said and and reflect back on it in through the lens of my own experience and and really as a bid for empathy, recognizing that there is no equivalency here, that any equivalency is in the experience, not in in the emotional experience, not in the existential experience. You know, one of the things that happens when we're coaching, when coaching is going well, you open your heart and you're fully present to the other person. And this is really hard because uh, you end up taking in their emotional journey. Um, and uh, over the years, now that I'm an old man and an old coach, one of the things I've done and said to, to folks, you know, have fewer years than I do in, in this seat, when I take my seat as a mentor, one of the things that I say is that when our hearts are broken, Uh, we have a number of choices. And one of the choices, uh, which is completely understandable, is to withdraw and take care of that heart. And that's an important move. But another choice that we have is to actually lean into the work that we were born to do. And when you were describing an engineer who has one eye on the defender's, be they in the East or be they in the South or for a brief period of time in and around and then circling Kiev. Or they have their parents and their grandparents in mind who, if they're lucky, were able to go to Poland or Romania or Moldova or their wife and their children and I'm, I'm, I'm being gender specific and imagining the engineer as male. That there is something uplifting in leaning into the work that you were born to do. 
it creates a healing uh, sense of agency. I cannot stop. And just like as I sit here, I cannot stop the aggression that's going on uh, in Eastern Ukraine. I, I, I can't. But I don't have to feel helpless. I can get up and get on the phone with you and I can show up and I can stand as best as I can in a video mediated way, shoulder to shoulder with you and do what I was born to do. I wonder if this has any resonance for you. Yeah, uh, I, 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 that's basically what I, I feel to, uh, when the war started because I just, I, I hate to feel hopelessness and uh, that's uh, some some actions that I am doing. Mm. It, it it helps me to feel the impact that I'm doing to 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 do something at least. So it it reduces just like my psychological pressure. Um, it doesn't matter what you are doing. It's just like just do something that you can do at least uh, if you. If you don't have any like speciality or you don't know, like you, you, the most important thing is, is energy. And eventually, if, if you want to help someone, it's not that hard to find some project to join initiative or uh, or some other things. So we, we had a plenty of, of people divided in, into separate groups that were uh, doing different things. Like uh, you had a group of people that were doing the uh, that were uh, that were helping to remove companies from Russia that were supporting it and paying taxes we had a volunteering group like us who were collecting um, uh, fundraising costs for uh, drones uh, vests helmets to protect the the people uh, we we had a group of people who were like uh, helping with media attention and others. So there there is so mm. many good things that are happening. There's a there's a fellow in in my circle of entrepreneurs and and investors, Alex Iskold. Alex was a um, managing director at TechStars in New York for a while, and he went out and raised a venture capital fund, small fund. Uh, to do seed in early stage. And at the start of the pandemic here, one of the things he did, and he was really moved by the, the extraordinary food insecurity that happened as a consequence of the massive unemployment that was happening in the United States. And he started a project called the 1K Project. And what he did was he created a mechanism. Now you know him. I, I know this project. <laughs> and he connected, um, initially he connected families with people who had means. And the whole idea was just donate $1,000, just $1,000. Well, so you know the second half of this story, right? Alex, of course, grew up in Odessa. Alex's family is Ukrainian. Alex still has family there. And one of the things he did at the start of the war was to revive the 1K project so that people can make direct donations. Some of us gave thousands of dollars to individual families 
and he did what he could and he continues to do what he he does so you know the 1k project is that right yeah Yeah. right what have you seen them on the ground there have you have you do you know what's going on yes it it was very popular there um one of my uh, friends, uh, he's uh, a partner at uh, Ukrainian VC, Oleg Malinkov. He was also helping to uh, drive this project forward. And I was sending this link to uh, filling out the form to a few uh, to a few families that I know that, that needed that. Because for me personally, I, I, I don't need that project and most of my friends don't need because usually they work in tech, they have like high salaries and they, they can do, but there are uh, very few families that uh, were impacted by the war. They're from Mariupol and other cities and their apartments completely destroyed. They have three, four children. So I, I think that that's a great effort is this project. Yeah. And, you know, um, not to turn this into a commercial for the 1K project, but if that's what happens, so be it. But what I love about that was it was really a response to the sense of helplessness and to keep helplessness from turning into hopelessness by focusing on an engagement. You know, early on, we were talking about potential topics and I and, uh our producer, Margaret, had suggested talking about being a leader, how to be a leader during this particular time period. And I noticed something. You winced. You didn't want to talk about being a leader. You wanted to talk about the whole team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah so I, I think that during this during this project, it's, it's, it's not the right uh the right things to to be a leader like everyone is is like a small leader of 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 what they're doing and usually in 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 commercial activity sometimes uh, in in most cases you you need to be you need to have a leadership and lead the team but in in volunteering activity that's that's a little bit different like uh you have a people who who leads different things that that they are leading like it could be the purchase of equipment it could be fundraising it could be working with media or other things so uh I just, all right so i'm i'm going to yeah. treat you like a client for a moment okay and i promise i won't make you cry but here's the issue that is leadership andrew that is leadership. There is a piece of you that thinks that the leader is the one who sits at the top of the pyramid and directs and tells everybody what to do. And what I hear you saying is that's not appropriate for this time. But one of the measures of leaders, leadership is the number of leaders that you help create. And what you and your co-founder and all of you are doing is creating a shared sense of leadership. And that is incredibly scalable and incredibly powerful and incredibly empowering. There is leadership that is loud and demonstrative. And then there is leadership that is quiet 
and stable. And the fact is, uh, we need both kinds of leadership. We need the people who can organize and create the conditions for other people to step up. So I get that you're a little uncomfortable being singled out. So I'll back off of that. But I want you to understand something. There is something powerful that's happening for you right now that will last you the rest of your life, which is the realization that shared leadership is miraculous. Does that resonate? Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that the, the shared, shared leadership and, and, and shared, that's, that's why like the people have shared in, in, in the companies, like, I don't know, like the, the old public companies is shared. So like startups, you have all options, you have, uh, you're feeling like a, you're basically part of the company. So, so yeah, it totally resonates. The the um, none of this is easy, but when you lean in to the experience of sharing the burden, and trust me, this is a difficult experience even for me, because my impulse is very much a I'll take care of it. I'll put the br- bricks in my backpack. I will carry them up the hill. I will do what is necessary to take care of the team. That's how I was organized as a boy. And one of the more mature ways that I have come into my own leadership is to understand that that shared responsibility creates a sense of empowerment and actually gives us a sense of agency in the face of helplessness Again, preventing the sense of hopelessness. It's a, it, it, it alleviates the loneliness of the person at the top of the pyramid, but it also empowers everybody throughout the pyramid. And so they walk away. May your team walk away from this experience and launch a thousand different companies so that they then employ hundreds of thousands of people and help Ukraine rebuild its economy so that that grandmother can go to the store and get some bread, so that that pensioner can go to the doctor and get the medical care that they need. All of a sudden, our purpose becomes not this sort of the pot of gold at the end of the IPO rainbow, but this notion of creating companies that change the, the underlying economic conditions for everybody in that little town where you were a little boy. You're nodding. I imagine this, this lands for you. Yeah. 
yeah uh, <laughs> uh, I think that that would be great uh, after the war ends <laughs> yeah but uh, right now we we are more focused on what what, what we can do right now more uh, and and just like um, I also wanted to bring up the topic of how how the people unites during the mm-hmm. common enemy because that's mm-hmm. that's that's a very good topic uh, probably uh we also have some disagrees in one or another uh in one or another topic you, you have people that you don't agree fully but at, at one day the you're waking up and you're hearing the bombs uh, you're hearing the the helicopters and other stuff and during the first few weeks probably you you can message anyone literally anyone like 40 million people in ukraine and probably they will answer you uh in case of not like i just like don't want to talk to you like if you need something like probably i would i will help you and 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 do anything i could to to help you uh, and just like in a in in, in a, like two weeks of time uh like me personally and my friends we gathered like a community of it specialists that uh wanted to help and we decided that the best way to help from our side it would be the uh, to buy the protection for our people like uh less because at the start of the war uh <laughs> our army just didn't had like real uh helmets and vests to protect all the new uh people that wanted to go to the war so we it's really fascinating uh how much we could bought like we bought like more than uh five thousand uh vests and about nine uh nine hundred uh night vision and thermal imagers and, and 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 drones i don't remember the exact quantity but it was also uh, a great impact so I, I, I just couldn't imagine that so many people could organize in such a small period of time. Uh, I, I, if, if it was a company like like a startup, probably it would need to to have about two years to build such communities as, as we did, like in in, in two weeks. Mm. The uh, it's extraordinary. Um... But I, you know, I hear you, and and um, the way in which people come together, and you know, I wish that we had the video of of this because as you were describing it, you were sort of looking off and smiling with a kind of admiration for everybody, and and I suspect that that links back to the um, reluctance and reticence you have to be a focus of some of this attention, you know, it's, um, it's not only the, the ways in which the people came together and are together, but it's, uh, the recognition that the collective is stronger than the individual. I, I, you know, 
I'm no expert on geopolitics. I'm no expert on war by any means. But I suspect that authoritarian regimes don't understand this and they underestimate uh, the ability of the collective to respond. And I suspect that, that that may, in fact, be part of the reason why this war of aggression uh, did not go the way uh, the Russian government in, anticipated it would go. And, you know, as someone who spends a lot of time thinking about wisdom traditions, whether it's the Judeo-Christian tradition or Eastern religions or philosophical traditions, all of our greatest teachers have taught us the same thing, which is to push against that impulse to other another person to make them less than. Because the ultimate expression of that is war. The ultimate expression of that is death. And yet the, the counter impulse, which is the collective, the, the sense of interdependence, the sense of needing each other, coming together, that is such a powerful force. And, and you know, I think that's the... That's the part of ourselves as humanity that we need to feed to push up against this other part of ourselves. And I think the work you and your colleagues are doing, I know you're going to be uncomfortable when I say this, but the work that you and your colleagues are doing is the best expression of what we do as human beings. It's the best of us working against the worst of us. Because the truth is, we are just, you and I, are just as capable of dehumanizing and othering people as we are reaching deep within our hearts, our broken, open hearts, and connecting to them. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah, totally makes sense. Uh, that's how. That's very thankful. Uh, yeah, I, I just like think that we 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 all trying to do our best in in mm -hmm. in the face of common enemy. Mm -hmm. And it's the 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 interesting thing about the common enemy is sometimes the common enemy is an aggressor, an invader. And sometimes the common enemy is our lesser impulses. The, the, the lesser angels of our nature to respond to suffering with more violence. And yet it's a perfectly human response. You know? I, I think it's a part of, of just like evolution. Our, our fighting is our nature. Like we, we just like we can grow. Uh, we we are saying biologically the same, and we are fighting these small small impulses of of animal world, and we just like making evolution to to the next uh, species, as mm -hmm. Elon Musk would say. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> right. uh, but but uh, I think. 
evolutionarily we, we, we just like didn't change like our genes are the same so it's it's, it's naturally for us to to just like keeping keeping the fight with with those impulses and and and, and we are slowly but steadily growing yeah growing and evolving right i mean and and, and part of that evolution is to call forth the better angels of our nature to call forth the parts of ourselves that are more evolved, more conscious. You know, I, I am always struck by that Carl Jung quote, which is, I am not what has happened to me. I am what I choose to become. And I think the question is, you know, is this from my lips to God's ears, this dumpster fire error starts to wind down at some point that the question that we all hold is having gone through this, what do we choose to become now? And, and that's a challenge I would put to you and your colleagues. This war will end. This war will end. Probably later than sooner, but this war will end. What will you choose to become? Because that human nature is always there. And, and we have uh, models in history. Our elders have chosen, some have chosen a path of reconciliation to release themselves. But I, look, I, I don't want to put myself in a position of... of in, in, in any way trying to suggest a path for you folks. I have been greatly privileged to never have experienced what you are experiencing. So take what I say with a grain of salt. Yeah, but I, I think that's true. Like everyone is, 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 is trying to answer like, what, what should they, they do after the war and yeah, software? What I will say to you is that as soon as it's safe, I will come and I will sit with you all and, and I'll be with you. Not because I have any answers, because I have no fucking answers, but I have a big heart. Yeah, uh, please come to Ukraine, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm also want to see by myself, like I just want to come. Uh, next week to Ki- back to Kiev and I just want to travel to Bucha and Terpin to see these broken buildings by myself, all this destruction because one thing is just like to see this in media and the other thing mm-hmm. is just like to see it with my real eyes and it's just like 30 kilometers from Kiev and uh, just like 30 minutes by car but it's i think it's 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 good for everyone to see just to understand like what is the destruction and 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 what could happen to just like a 5 million city in 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 a few days so be careful and take care of your heart but step bravely into bearing witness because that's what you would be doing you would be bearing witness as you walk those streets. Um, and and 
I want to thank you for honoring me with reaching out and having this conversation. And in the show notes, we'll, we'll provide links to both things that people can do to support as well as uh, ways to find you and your colleagues and to support you and your colleagues in the, in the efforts. Um, you know, media attention in the West is a fleeting thing. And, and the latest dumpster fire tends to attract our attention. But please let your colleagues know that you're never far from our hearts. Yeah, thank you so much. And, you know, we are thinking of you all, for sure. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, Andrew. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jerry. If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash podcast to listen to all five seasons of our podcast conversations. And leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. Ready for a more in-depth journey of radical self-inquiry? We've developed a new free five-day email course designed to explore and work with your shadow. Get started at reboot.io slash shadow.